0: At Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by his grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never
1: ends. He said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father. Give me the portion of goods that follows to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. He began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his field, to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. No man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." And he arose, and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion upon him, and ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and put shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it. Let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. Welcome to the Unchanging Word
0: Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's word was, is, and always will be true, God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our study through the Gospel of Luke resumes in chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. Now we find here the parable of the son who wanted his portion of his father's inheritance, and he wanted it right away. And this parable is commonly known as the parable of the prodigal son. Dr. Mitchell sees this parable in the context of verse 1, which speaks of the sinners and the tax collectors. So this is not a picture of a believer who backslides or wanders away into the world and away from God. Now, if you have not yet trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can, and he will save you and bring you to God the Father. Can you do that right now? He's more than willing to accept you. now, just as you are. Well, let's listen to the scripture here on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast with Dr. Mitchell. Luke chapter 15, verse 11.
1: Again, we come to you, and I sincerely hope that you have heeded my exhortation to read and reread this 15th chapter of the Gospel through Luke. It's an amazing chapter, full of the manifestation and expression of God's love for men and women and no human mind can begin to explore the depths of what our Lord spoke of in this chapter, of the Father's love for men, of His faithfulness in seeking the sheep, uh, and His diligence in hunting them up and finding them, and then the depth of His love manifested in this story of the so-called prodigal son. I would like to read chapter 15, and run right on down through, possibly down to verse 24 from verse 11. Remember, this is the third part of a parable. The first part of the parable was the lost sheep, found. The second part of the parable was the lost coin, found. When we come to the third part, the lost son, found. And great joy in all three of them. Now we come down to verse 11. He said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that follow to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. He began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his field to feed swine, to feed the pigs. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. No man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion upon him, and ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and put shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now I've taken the time to read that part of the story. First of all, may I again remind you, This is the picture of the depth of God's love. And if you read the story, you will notice, really the center of the story is not the lost son. The center is the father in the demonstration of his love for his lost son. Please notice it. Here He had two boys, and by the way, there's vital choice between the two. They were both very selfish. But the younger one is a kind of a willful, daring sort of a chap, and he was self-willed, he wanted his own way, and he said, Father, give me the portion of goods that, that follows to me. And he divided unto them, unto both of them, his living. In other words, he, he took it and he divided it between both boys. And I read the young fellow took he, took, he gathered all together and he went into a far country and they wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. He began to be in one. He joined himself to a citizen of that far country. And he sent him into his fingers to feed swine. And he was so hungry, he fed upon the food that he was to feed the swine with. And he was still hungry. And no man gave on to him. Let me just stop here. Will you notice? He was not only self-willed, he not only wanted his own way like, by the way, like every one of us. Huh? Huh? How many of you don't want your own way? To a more or less degree, we all want our own way. And he went into a far country, into a far country, he was away off from his father's house. What a picture of every sinner. I'm not going to argue the point whether the Lord is talking here about, about a, a child of God who wanders away. You can take that aspect, and you maybe have ground for it because he was a son. But I think the Lord here is dealing with the fact that he's the friend of publicans and sinners. That's the key of the chapter. He receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And this third part of the parable is going to show the great love of God for sinners. He's in the far country. As Ephesians chapter 2, 13 says, You who were afar off were made nigh by the blood of Christ. Yes, sir, we were. As Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They've all gone out of the way. They have together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. No, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are away off from God in our sins. And furthermore, we were unsatisfied. Notice verses 14 to 16. He, after he had spent all, he squandered all his inheritance, he went and got a job with the fellow. And the fellow says, Okay, if you want a job? Go on to Philly and feed my swine. Feed my hogs. And if you're hungry, eat what the hogs eat. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks. Husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave on to him, full of husks. Am I right in saying that there are so many thousands around us who are feeding on the husks of this world? And they're never, never, never satisfied. People say, well, if I only had enough money to carry me through old age, you still wouldn't be satisfied. You still wouldn't be satisfied. I've had occasion to meet with men who had millions of dollars, millions, wanted nothing, anything their hearts desired they could have, as far as this world is concerned. All they do is to speak the word, and they got it, servants to wait on them. All they needed they had, and still unhappy, still unhappy. Why are there so many broken homes? No happiness, no joy, A man makes his business, makes it the very center of his heart. He's Not satisfied, his family is not satisfied, children are not satisfied. Feeding on the husks of this world, you'll never be satisfied, my friend. God never made you to feed on husks. This boy had a home. This boy had an inheritance. This boy had everything he needed to make him happy. He left it all. Why? Self-occupied, self-willed, wanted his own way, I'm going to make my own in the world, and off he went. Spent everything in riotous living. Living with how? I don't know. His brother accused him of living with harlots. He's still unsatisfied. When he had his money, he wasn't satisfied. Now he's got a job he's not satisfied. My friend, God has made you and me so that we'll never be really completely satisfied unless we're with him. You can't satisfy that innermost soul of yours by husks. As Jesus could say in John chapter 4 to the woman of the well, He that drinketh of this water shall thirst again. So you try everything unto heaven, and you're never satisfied. Never satisfied, like a child with a, a number of toys, picks one toy up, and drops it, and picks another toy up and drops it, and still is never satisfied. Wants more toys. This is the picture of most people. See. Now you come to his repentance in verses seventeen to nineteen, and he came to himself, my brother. That's repentance. He came to himself. He took stock of himself. Here he is, his father's son, he's wasted his substance with riotous living. He's living on the husks that the hogs ate, ragged and dirty and smelly, and you name it, and he came to himself. It's a good thing when people come to themselves, just like the Thessalonian church that turned to God from their idols, disgusted with their idols. I think that's true of Abraham. I think Abraham was so disgusted with the idolatry of early Chaldeans, God found a man who was disgusted with the husks of the world. God called him out. Listen to what he said. He came to himself and said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and I will go to my father and say to him, Father... I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He realized his condition, he realized his name, and then he remembered he remembered his home. He remembered his father's goodness. He remembered how his how good his father was to his servants. They had bread enough and to spare, more than enough. And I his son I perish with hunger you know what verse comes to my mind? Romans chapter 2. I think it's the fourth verse where Paul writes, Knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The goodness of God should lead you to repentance. And to repent, of course, is to change your mind about yourself. This boy came to himself. He realized his need. He realized his condition. And he realized, too, that he he had lost every right to a title. He had lost every right to everything. He wasn't worthy of anything. In fact, he said, I'm going to go home. I'm going to my dad. I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against God, and I've sinned against you. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Please make me one of your servants. Don't take me back as a son. Just make me one of your servants. Make me an angel. No. This is what he said to himself. Here's a heart that's repentant. He thought of the goodness of his father. Why didn't he see it when he was home? (laughs) He was too self-willed, too occupied with self. Too many folk are so occupied with themselves. They never realize the goodness of God. They never realize the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God for them. They're too much occupied with themselves. People hear the gospel message. They hear it with their ears. It doesn't get into their head or their heart. Why? They're too much occupied with themselves. They're too self-satisfied. Their little world is worlds around themselves. This boy came to himself. And notice the confession, verses 20 and 21. Now, please notice it. And he arose and came to his father, and calls for action he manifested his will i'm going to rise i'm going to my dad i'm going to say dad i'm not worthy of anything i'm bankrupt i'm not fit to be your son but please make me one of your slaves he rose and came to his father now look at verse 20 an amazing amazing verse and when he was a great way off his father saw him he had compassion ran fell on his neck, kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, and so on. Did you notice a few things? First thing, the boy made his confession with his father on his neck. The father saw him afar off. Before the boy ever saw home, the father saw him. How long do you think the father had been watching for the son ever since the son left him? The son was never out of his heart. The son was still the object of his love. And I could just see that father day after day after day, looking out over the battlements, looking right down the road, looking in the far toward the far country, wondering when his son would come home. And when he saw him a great way off, he ran had compassion on him, fell on his neck, kissed him. Brother, you mean in his rags, in his filth, in his dirt, in his smell? Remember, he's just come from the hog pen. Have you ever been near a hog pen? I tell you, my friend, do you know what you and I would have done? This is what man would have done. If I had been his father, I would have said, Listen, son, I'm sure God to see you home, but would you please hurry up and take a bath and get some decent clothes on you and wash those dirty old feet? You stink to high heaven. Be sure you wash your head, and when you get all cleaned up, I'll meet you in the study. Huh? Oh, my no. His father saw him afar off. Oh, how different is the love of God for sinners. Man's love for his children doesn't become within a million miles of God's, the depth of God's love for men and women. I tell you, we Christians ought to be in love with the Savior. His love ought to overwhelm us so we can't help but love him, worship him, praise him, talk about him. He fell on his neck and he kissed him. And he And the boy made his confession. And did you notice in verse 21? He made his confession with the father on his neck, with the kisses of the the father on his neck. And he made the confession and never finished it. He never finished it. He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven, I've sinned against God, and I'm in your sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Now way back at, way back in the hog pen, he said, "I'm going to ask my dad to give me to make me one of his servants, one of his slaves." He never got that far. The father said, "Bring forth the best rope and put it on him." You know, may I just say here in his confession, "Father, I have sinned against heaven." Sin primarily is against God Himself. You remember that. David, the psalmist, in the 51st Psalm, the 4th verse, I believe it is, says, Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Now, there's no question he had sinned against Bathsheba. But the fact is, primarily, sin, first of all, against God. God is holy. God is righteous. And we've taken his love, and we've just turned our back on it. We've spat upon him. We didn't want his love. No, sir, we don't want God's love. we were sufficient unto ourselves. Not this boy. He'd been in the world. With all that he had, he was never satisfied. He came back and he first confession: I have sinned against heaven. And Father, I have sinned against you. So we not only confess our sin to God, but if possible, we confess our sins to those against whom we have sinned. And he goes on to say, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. You see, the acceptance of the boy is in the hands of the father. Our acceptance before God (laughs) is because of what God is. And the father deals in absolute sovereign grace. I suggest Titus chapter 2, verse 11. The grace of God hath appeared unto all men. See, the, the grace of God which bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. It goes on to speak of what it teaches. And uh, in Romans chapter 8, 32, if God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? I'll tell you. And you notice there's no rebuke. The father didn't rebuke the boy. He didn't say, what have you done with my inheritance? No, 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 no. The boy is at the bottom. The boy came back in absolute confession. The boy knew he wasn't worthy a, 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 he wasn't worthy anything. He wasn't worth a dime. He was dirty and filthy and stinky and the whole thing is the father. Oh, you talk about grace. The father deals in absolute grace. And you notice he received him as a son not as a servant. He said bring forth the best robe and put it upon him. The fellow's in. Put a new clothes on him. Isaiah 40, 64, four six says, "Our righteousness is in God's sight as filthy rags." Filthy rags. In Isaiah sixty one ten, God says, "I will clothe thee with the garments of righteousness." Paul says, "I'm going to be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ. For of Him are you in Christ Jesus, who in the wisdom of God." has been made unto us righteousness." I'm quoting First 1 Corinthians 1.31. I can quote many scriptures here. He's going to clothe us, not with rags, but with his own righteousness. "...and put a ring on his finger." That's a sign of sonship. "...this my son was dead, he's alive again, he's lost and he's found, he's still my son." The boy wanted to be a slave. Father said, "...put a ring on his finger, he's my son." and put shoes on his feet, that he might serve. Ah, yes, was saved to wait for his Son from heaven. And while we wait for his Son from heaven, we serve the living and true God. And kill the fatted calf, and let us eat and be merry. Ah, again you have it. Here's a feast. Here's a feast. And who do you think is the center of the feast? Why, of course, the Father. The Father is the center of the feast not the Son. The grace of God He gathers the whole crowd together, the servants, the slaves in the house, and have a wonderful time of rejoicing. And God gathers the heavenly host together. When people like you and me are saved, we accept His precious Son as Savior. Now one could go on, it's so wonderful. I tell you, it's so wonderful. What about the other son? Well, he's the Pharisee still selfish, still self-occupied. You didn't, you didn't give me anything. You didn't make a feast for me, for me and my friends. But as soon as your son, he didn't say it's my brother, as your son comes home, he's devout, his living with Harlan and so on. I tell you, what a picture of the Pharisee at the end. I tell you, friend, today, what we need, what we need is a new vision of the precious, marvelous love of God for men and women, for you and for me. Think again of the depth of His love here, of His faithfulness, of His diligence, and of the depth of His love for men and women. And He came into the world to save sinners just like you just like me. The Lord bless you today.
0: Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast.